0: Hey Craig, welcome to HubShot's episode 30. How are you? I'm well, Ian. How are you? Very good. Now, here we are on this lovely April day. It's a bit dark.
1: Yeah, we're recording this late at night at this time. But yeah, episode 30. We made it 30 so far. We're hoping to get to episode 50 before inbound.
0: Right. Now, I'll talk about this episode's about feedback. And we are 202 days... To inbound. And you know that because of the inbound countdown timer. So just type in, just search inbound countdown in Google and you'll find it.
1: Yeah, obviously a very competitive term there if we're ranking for it.
0: Very. You know what? We're even above inbound.org. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Well, speaking
1: of inbound, um, inbound tip of the week, and you know how last week we were talking about some of our kind of experiences of inbound yes. in previous years? And one of the things we said was, or um, well, that I was kind of remarking on is the first year I went, I actually found it a lot of hard work to kind of meet people. I didn't know anyone and it got better last year because actually HubSpot had organized a pre kind of inbound meetup and it was really good. Totally. And uh, we were just thinking you know, before the show, we were saying like, well, actually, hopefully HubSpot does it again this year, but indications are they they won't. But
0: if they don't, we will, right? Absolutely. I think we will, because I think there's nothing worse than doing conference by itself. And I'll tell you, if you haven't been to Inbound, it's a huge
1: conference. So on the first night, you get there and there's just, well, tens of thousands people of people. Everywhere. And if you don't know anyone, it's it's strangely disconcerting and you feel lonely so we will be there that we'll have the little hub shots gathering you can you just know there'll be some friendly faces that you can come and say hi and uh yeah kick off the the conference really well it's just great if you know people on the first night and you just yeah
0: absolutely you know what doing conference with someone is always more fun because you got to go places you experience different things you can even go and try clam chowder (laughs) That's which, right. was,
1: which was which is a pretty much a highlight we did that every night basically <laughs> we did clam shout it was great for boston so yeah looking forward to that for inbound and uh yeah get registered
0: now they've actually said some speakers they've announced well, some of the keynote yeah.
1: speakers what did you think of this so as we're recording this who's just been announced
0: alec baldwin what did you think of this i don't know craig <laughs> I don't know. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's uh, like I would like to see him, but it's
1: I don't know if that would make me register if I wasn't otherwise going.
0: And you know what? And this is the diversity of inbound, and I, that's I think you know what that's something to love about it because you can kind of think, well, it's just marketing, or it's just these kind of people but you get someone left of center like Alec Baldwin. And you know what? It could be really fantastic, but we've got to go with an open mind.
1: That's Well, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. So can I give you a prediction? Yes. I was going to ask you about the prediction. (laughs) Okay. So the last two episodes I've given predictions on functionality that will be announced, but I actually think now that keynote speakers are starting to announce, my prediction is that Bill Gates and Melinda Gates will be speakers at inbound at some point. There's my prediction.
0: That's a good one. like that. Yeah. Again, wishful thinking, but you know, that's all my predictions. But yeah. Now, on to some really important things. And we love counting conversion points in HubSpot. And this is to do with call to action. So, this is a little tip for the week. And we discovered this because I was showing you an email that you sent me. Mm-hmm. And in Gmail, sometimes the images might not actually come through. So, if your call to action is actually an image with a button, you might not see it because I actually asked you whether you got this email and you said, oh, there was no call to action on that.
1: Yeah, and I've actually found this a few times with emails that get sent out. And when you have a HubSpot CTA that's an image embedded in the email, It seems to do some kind of optimization in terms of how it presents images. So there'll be a header image. Yes. But a CTA image, it's almost like it delays pulling that through or you need to, or maybe it blocks it initially. I'm not exactly sure why it does it, but I've noticed this a couple of times. And so that's why whenever we send out emails now that have a CTA in it, we also make sure that one of the the preceding sentence has a link to that same CTA destination as well, just in case... You've got image blocking in your email reader or something like that. Absolutely. You've still got the link that they can flow through. And another
0: little tip is that why not test out if you can actually put that CTA link about midway down your email, not at the end, but somewhere in between. So if people have read maybe the first two paragraphs and they go, oh, this is really interesting, you give them the opportunity to actually click through and take some action.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point.
0: All right. Onto the next thing. Yeah, yeah well, actually, just on
1: HubSpot tips. This is another one because we both use Hotjar, right? Yes, we do. With WordPress and that. But there's actually a good little integration for using it with HubSpot. If you're using HubSpot and using Hotjar, it's actually pretty easy to link them in. And so we'll just put a link through to the Knowledge Base article on that.
0: All right. Now, challenge of the week, Craig. Now, this is one that you raised. Yeah, talk us through it. I've raised this because if we're serving other businesses, we think that we know what's right sometimes. And sometimes we need to actually think about it from a client perspective. And I'm sure you experience this where people go, oh no, I think we should do this because this is what people want. But really, it's probably not what people want. And I think we'll highlight some of this in the research that we're going to talk about, about what buyers and sellers think, right? So on a a practical business level is that, I was thinking about this is one of our clients said that he thought his customers wanted this particular item. Okay. And he needed to really promote it and he needed to be a banner on the front. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. But anyway, I did some testing and I found no one clicked on it. Right. right. But he was convinced that it was really important to him. So in that instance, he could have wasted all this time, effort, space promoting this thing that actually never brought him any business and I think that's really important. Like that's a challenge we all face because especially marketing managers, right? Just think you're, you've are you been told from somebody like your general manager or somebody in sales, oh, we need to be pushing this product. But in fact, that might actually not be leading to anything at the end of the day.
1: Right. It does come back to that use of test and measure, doesn't it? It's actually using data to guide your decisions in um, your implementation decisions. Can I give you another example of how that kind of comes up with businesses? Yeah. It's not so much about something you can quantitatively measure, but how many times have you had a graphic designer come up with a really nice design? They take it to the client and someone that knows nothing about design is like, oh, can we just change this font? And we want to change this yes. color here. Oh, and we put the banner And before, you know, it, it's just this complete mess, right? And it's because that's what they think. They want and they actually haven't used, first of all, I haven't relied on expertise and sort of subject matter experts. And second, they actually haven't relied on any data either. It's just That's kind of, right. Yeah. So I
0: think there's two really key things is expertise and there's data. And you've got to really trust the person you're working with to know that they've made the right choice and gone through the right process to making that choice because there's a lot of thought that goes into something. So you might say, look, I want to advertise for this particular term but you might actually think instead of what you think is that one channel there might be actually three channels you can go through and get a far better result so if i were you always go back and ask why because i think that'll actually get a really good response ask why great tip now general tip of the week craig now this is you and me both found this out when we were doing this for clients yes okay so this is a classic case of
1: Oh, we tried that in the past and it didn't work. So we won't ever go and check it again. And this comes back to Facebook advertising. So generally what's happened, I think the last time I'd done actually using a Facebook page, page. promotion, we're trying to get the likes on the page. was probably a year or two ago. I was just like, no, nah, it no longer works. I so don't waste my money doing that for clients or anything. But anyway, my wife, she's building a new site and a new page. And so she's saying, oh, you know, because we've had a ton of success with Facebook in the past with some of our other businesses, right? So, new page. It's like, oh, should I promote the page, get likes for that? I'm Nah, that won't work. Don't worry about that. She's like, oh, I might just put $10 on it, right? Yep, bang. Suddenly the page is going off and she's um, got a couple of hundred likes on it. And so, actually, no, it might just be over 100 likes, I think. She's got in one day $10. So that actual page likes were costing like 10 cents yes. or something like that so i'm like that's incredible i haven't had that and it's because i actually haven't tested that for so long so now what you and i have both been doing we've both been going back through all our clients pages and our own pages going let's try this yes and so that's actually why it's the tip of the week and we were discussing before it was like what's changed because it definitely didn't you know we definitely didn't work for yes correct. for quite a while and so what we're thinking is now this is actually facebook's machine learning is yes. getting much better so in the past when you went with those page like campaigns the matching in who that exposed those ads to just wasn't getting the right audience yes but now facebook seems to be so much more clever at finding out who is actually interested in your pages and actually making that work. So the actual experience that they're giving now is much better ROI. So I guess the tip of the week from this one is really, yeah, try some of these campaigns that you've used to do in the past and then stop doing because they no longer worked. Actually, it's put that in part of your test and measure budget to try them again and just see what the results are.
0: Yeah, now let me take a step back. And they'll work and also, but now what's happening and you would have realized this is that on Facebook, when you're posting, doing your posts and your content, not all of them actually reach those people. So you're still going to have to promote some of that content to the right audience.
1: Facebook organic reach, you mean? Yes. Really down. Yeah, quite right.
0: And that's really down. I think I read some figures. It was down to like 5% or something.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, you've got to pay for each. Yep, yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah, and we're we're entering this period of time where we pay to play. You look at Google; they dropped all the everything off the right hand side. Yep. Literally, uh, I would say that now, if you looked at a search result page, almost the first page is all paid. Well, that's
1: exactly right because you've got the four paid spots
0: at the top. Then you've got your business listings for a lot
1: of things. And so then probably if you're number one in organic, you're probably way below the fold. Correct. And on mobile, it's even worse. You're probably one or two swipes down the screen that's before right. you actually see anything organic. So, yeah, that's very much the case.
0: So, yeah. So, I mean, I think if you're in marketing or you're a marketing manager, you've got to actually manage that spend appropriately and budget it in on a on a monthly and a yearly basis because I think that's going to become more and more prevalent As time goes forward, that's what's going to happen.
1: Totally agree. All right, let's move on to our state of inbound item of the week. And this is a really good report from the HubSpot research team, isn't it?
0: That's right. So this is about buyers speaking out, how sales need to evolve. And there's some really key things, and we can really pick this apart because there's some fantastic insights in here. One of the things we're going to talk about Is that demos need to be actually a part of the awareness stage? So we often think, and salespeople often call it, use this as a qualification like, are they ready for a demonstration? Therefore, they must be ready to buy. But actually what it highlights is actually people want demonstrations actually even before they've decided what they want to buy. So they want to see something in action.
1: I thought this was really interesting because like you, I've had that understanding that signing up for a demo is kind of a, a maybe not bottom of the funnel, but it's kind of middle of the funnel. It's down the down the buyer's journey. And yeah, what they're saying is that in this survey, a third of the respondents are saying, no, it's actually something they want very early on. And after reading this, I'm kind of like, yeah, actually that kind of makes sense because I often do demos or even trials. I sign up for trials and trials are definitely something that people consider to be down the funnel, bottom of the funnel. But I actually often sign up for trials right at the start because that's how I do my research. Yes. If I'm looking at a kind of tool set that I don't know much about, I'll actually do a trial to learn what the tool does to find what the tool thinks is important to think about oh, maybe this is what I need to be looking for in the kinds of tools I use. So it's a really good, and I guess it makes sense when you think it through, that that kind of thing. And so then the action item from that was all about, well, salespeople can't be doing demos for anyone that just wants it early in the stage. It's they still need to qualify. But yeah, preparing these kind of pre- built demo videos that walk people through all the key features and the power of video alone, of course. That's right. This.
0: And another key thing you can do from the video is use Wistia with it and actually have the analytics to figure out which parts people are watching over again Excellent. Yes. and which parts people are skipping or they're not watching at all. So I think that's a really great way. Obviously, if you can't give a actual trial of your product or service, a video is a great way to actually encompass what that's about so there's the tip of the week all right so that was we
1: had three take three key takeaways just from this um hubspot research report we'll quickly just mention the next two and we might expand on these in future episodes i think because there's plenty to learn from these yeah
0: and number two is what buyers want versus what sales want to discuss on the first call Which is really interesting. And it's, yeah, because it's
1: such a disconnect. And so what buyers want to discuss on the first call is totally different to what sales want to discuss. And I just thought I'd pull out a few of these from what they want to discuss. So 58% of respondents were saying on the first call, they want to discuss pricing, which seems really interesting. Whereas for salespeople, that's not, that's something they want to talk about later. They don't want to talk about pricing up front. But on the flip side... You know what salespeople want to talk about on the first call? They want to talk about who's responsible for the purchase, right? Because they want to get to the decision. maker. Whereas for the buyer, that's the last thing they want to talk
0: about. Yeah. You know what really stood out to me is that everything that the salespeople are trying to find out is about the company and its goals. And actually what people are talking about is how the product works and the pricing and what it helps them achieve. So... Like you said, there's a massive disconnect because it's like they're talking two different languages and trying to get to the same place, yeah. but obviously a very different place. So I think if you know this or you have this information, you could totally reframe what you're actually talking to people about when you actually have that first call. Well, this is exactly right.
1: And we, we won't go into detail now, but the actual report actually talks through some of the ways that you can change that conversation. And we will include a screenshot um, from the report that actually compares these two for the disconnect. But, yeah, we might talk about that, some of the examples next time. But the third one I thought was also interesting, and this was around who do you trust and who do buyers trust. Now, who, who would you think that people would trust the most in a business? Well, we can rule out a few, right? A sales, yeah, we can. Sales, sales. <laughs> people, they're never going to trust them, right? They think, oh, marketing, they might trust a bit more. You know who they trust? customer service yeah and this is kind of like a a big opportunity for a lot of companies and i guess what they're saying here is get your customer service people involved in those conversations and they're part of the buyer's journey and what they actually found was if customer service people are providing the content could be sending an ebook or pointing to a blog post or something like that it was almost double the trust that they had if marketing was sending it to I
0: them. I know. What, isn't that massive? Like you just think about it and you go, wow. It's so like you almost need to have that person a part of the sales process so that they can actually have that frank conversation with them. Yeah. I think that's a really key point that's been brought out.
1: Yeah. So customer service, it's almost a misnomer, the naming there. It's almost like um, prospect service as well. But yeah.
0: Yeah, because it, it does say it is information from services and customer service. So it is, it's a, it is a bit
1: vague. Yeah, <laughs> we might dive into that. But oh, just speaking of state of inbound, just another reminder to get into the state of inbound report. We've got the link there and uh, we want Asia Pack to feature well this year, don't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big thing as we grow in this region and as people understand more about what's going on, I think that's going to be a key. And it also gives us a good benchmark when we're looking at data and when we're looking... Forward planning. Just think about it. If you're using it in your marketing, your sales, and you've got this data that you can take back to your CEO, your general manager, your head of sales and say, hey, look, this is what's going on. So much more credibility, right? And I think that's the big opportunity for us. So absolutely encourage you to go do it. All righty. Let's move on. Motivation
1: of the week. I'll tell you. So, we've talked about Website Grader before, haven't we? Yes, we
0: love Website.grader.
1: <laughs> we do. Website.grader.com, where you can put in your website URL and it'll give you a grading on how good it is. Now, this is why I say it's motivation. One of my customers actually sent us a link to their Web Grader score. And their SEO score was really low. And we look after their SEO for them, right? Yes. So I'm like, what? No, that's not very good, Craig, but <laughs> like, tell me where this okay. is going. Okay, uh, what's going on here? So we looked at it and actually it turned out that some of the things that Website creator shows, so they look at the page title length and yes. they they want it to be 66 characters or less. I think in nails, I think, it was might have been 68 or 70 or something. So it was a few characters over. Ding, so we lost those points. I think our meta description was a couple of characters over. So we just tweet those and then them up and then got their score back up so it was almost like when i explained it to them they realized that there was no actual seo problems but they yes. wanted their, they wanted their score to improve and absolutely so it's and- really motivating it's just like his website grader is just motivating our customers to take an interest in their SEO, whereas before they were like, oh, you know, that's someone else's lookout. And
0: you know what? This is really interesting. Like, so you've obviously done the right thing, right? Mm. And the key thing here is, as it's gone more mobile, right? Having the right length titles, better descriptions are actually going to matter. And I think that's really the key thing. Is it's great that you went back and actually changed them, because I think that previously it was like, okay, we've got lots of space. Let's talk about all this stuff. But now more and more, you can use that as a way to sell. So, even a meta description I was describing to someone is actually really important because they might read the title or the link that they're going to click on. But if you can actually motivate someone to take action using the meta description, like you've already won the race. So, I definitely take away from here. I encourage you to go back, use Website Grader, and even go back and look at your site and what it actually says in the meta description. So. A little tip, type in site colon and your URL and you'll see what Google shows that's indexed, right? And look at all the titles and the descriptions and see what you can improve. Does everything have the same title? Does it have the same description? You know, are you putting your company name first but not actually saying what that is about? So one of the most common mistakes that you will find is that people stick their company name and if it's a long company name with a slogan, for example, that can literally take up the whole first part of the title and you see nothing about what the page is about yeah excellent points there and you know what i'll say if if
1: any listeners they want to put their site through website Grader, if you put it through and you get a bad score and you're not quite sure why just drop us a line we probably should put a little form or something like
0: yes we'll stick a form up on this i um, don't
1: understand my website Grader thing so if you get worried that seo is low just drop us a note and we'll have a look and let so you know. So we'll, we'll put,
0: place a call to action. <laughs>
1: yes. On the page. Call to action, there you go.
0: <laughs> Where you can fill out the form and we can help you sort the out.
1: Hopefully, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll guide you there.
0: Now, Craig, I have a great resource. This is which, an absolute ripper, isn't it? Which we've been testing out. So, we had Kevin was it? Kevin from Beacon? Yeah. from Beacon. Contact us a few months ago, and we were testing out. So one of the big things that I find when we're going through the whole process of creating a campaign and creating an ebook, for example, which should technically be a fairly simple process, can be quite laborious. And that's where a lot of people I, I tend to I'm finding now are actually stalling because it's so hard. Like I've got to format this. So I've got to stick pictures in there. Got to make sure it's it looks good. And this tool actually will create ebooks for you so you can even connect it to your blog and you'll actually create an ebook out of your blogs now it, it does need some work there and Kevin has put it on um, appsumo yeah. and we're going to talk about this because actually he's got lots of great feedback from appsumo yeah can I, can I before we go to that can I just talk a
1: little bit about beacon yeah uh, sure just about the functionality because yeah you, you got to Good overview there so it's beacon.by as the site so beacon like a big beacon I don't know where he came up with the name it's a good name though beacon.by and yeah as you said so you could have WordPress and it's got a HubSpot integration as well and what you do is you just tick the pages all the blog posts and then you click create my, e- my ebook it takes you to this really nice little interface and then it walks you through and you can pick your designs and your fonts and your color schemes. And it's just all there a visual kind of layout. You go next page, next page, tweak a bit of this, next page, generate PDF. It's brilliant. And then you get the PDF. He can host it, or there's their service can host it, or you can download it. I yes. download the PDF. And then you can just make that an offer on your site. So I think it's an excellent way to get ebooks out of your existing content produced quickly and they look really good. So yeah, it's a great service. What you're gonna talk about next is, well, we've been chatting with Kevin in the preceding months and weeks about this and giving him feedback. And I guess he's individually contacting people and saying, what's your thoughts? And we give feedback and there's email exchanges. it has been great by the way, but he put it on AppSumo and, man, the feedback he got there from people leaving replies was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: and you know what? That's amazing. And it just highlighted to us, like, if you were actually going to launch a product or you had a product that you had started off, maybe it's version 1.0, and you wanted to then take it to the next level, why not sell it on AppSumo? Because you probably get a bunch of great people out there who are willing to buy, try products and get that feedback and then make it make your product, like, amazing,
1: I think what's gold about this, let's say you had a product and you would say, oh, how can I get access to a hundred people as as a beta user? Yes. I, I, you know, I, I won't charge them anything. I'll, I'll just give it to them as long as they give me feedback, right? And so he, he could do that and hope to get a hundred people. Here he's done it and actually gets $25 and tons of feedback from people. So... I totally take your point. It's like, use AppSumo as a testing ground to get feedback and you get paid for it. It's yeah, so fantastic.
0: We've put a link in there to the AppSumo so you can actually have a look at it. Yeah, But you know what? It's great. And, and already, like I've used the product many times over, even for ourselves and for clients. And it, you know what? It produces a great result quickly. And that's the key. I think speed to market's going to become really important. Yeah. And these tools are what's going to make us be the best implementers we can be and get the results for our clients.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Anyway, check it out, beacon.by, and we'll add a link in the show notes for that. And get it with the AppSumo deal because you get a lifetime license for $25. It's, that's right.
0: It's yeah,
1: it's a no-brainer.
0: Just it is it. a no-brainer because, trust me, you'll waste more money than that trying to figure out what to do when creating a PDF. All right. Now, Craig.
1: Well, I guess we're going to finish up with podcast of the week, aren't we? And I'll just say I've finally caught up on all my Hubcast episodes. Yes. We love the Hubcast, don't we? A we do. A bunch of podcasts. So the Hubcast, if you haven't yet listened to it, they're another podcast They've been going a lot longer than us. They're kind of an inspiration for us talking about HubSpot and all the things there. So thank you, George and Marcus. Yeah, they do a great job. But the reason I'm calling them out is because I think, I don't know if my listening is the same as you, but I often go a month or so without catching up, and then I listen to four or five episodes at once. It's great, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm overloaded. But what, one of the things I wanted to, to call out is that uh, one of the things I mentioned in a recent episode was... Marcus had written this post around how to write cost articles.
0: Cost articles. Yeah.
1: So if you're talking about your costs for your service or your, your product, like okay. pricing, how to write those on yeah, your wow. website, it's really good. And he steps you through, I won't go into the detail now. We're running out of time, but he just steps you through the key things to use in headlines and how to mention it, how to add trust by, you know, talking, being transparent about things that you do and you don't fit and things like that. So we'll add a link to that. And, um, a link, as always, to the Hubcast.
0: Fantastic, Craig. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the feedback episode. And we would love your feedback via Instagram, Twitter, even on our website. And if you've got problems with your website grade, by all means, please contact us because we'd love to help our listeners get a great grade and get ranked really well. So, Craig, until next time, we shall see you later. All right. See you. in. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.